This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Steve Scalise will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He's a minority whip. He wants to be the majority leader. And uh, we're going to find out in a few days if he can shock the world and do that. Uh, his leadership and Kevin McCarthy have to deliver it. We'll see if what happens now. Uh, we also know 80 million of you have voted already. It's a staggering number. We got 159 million voting in 2016 overall. Now, does this mean just people voted early? Or do we have a lot of first-time voters here? Uh, doing this for the first time because they're so incensed about what's going on. Want to make sure Trump gets four more or he doesn't. I will say this. It's pretty clear. No one's excited about Joe Biden. They're excited about having Donald Trump out. That's why they're voting for Joe Biden. If you've watched his appearances, all the guy does is yell, never answers any questions. The softballs he gets are an insult if he thought it through. If people think you can't handle tough questions, they give you easy ones. That's insulting by trade. So we'll discuss all that and take your calls at one 408 7669 President of the United States will be in at 1 o'clock this afternoon. I think he's about to take off. He's going to be in Michigan today. Then at 4 o'clock, he is going to be in Green, 4 o'clock Eastern time in Green Bay. He, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, obviously. And he's going to be a smaller event because uh, there's a Democratic governor there. And at 645, Rochester Airport in Rochester, Minnesota. That's going to be interesting, too. Uh, because they, are, they also have a governor. I should say the governor in Minnesota is the one trying to limit the size. But what will happen is they'll have a smaller group, and then they're going to have a bigger group outside. So the president's smart. He'll dress the, the smaller group inside and then go outside and address the overflow. The crowds have been amazing. The passion that they had has been stunning. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Worldwide total coronavirus cases now surpassing 45 million, and Europe is beginning to feel the devastating effects of a second wave. Overnight, Germany hit a new record high for COVID cases for the third day in a row. A four-week lockdown starts there Monday. The city of Liege in Belgium has one of the highest positivity rates in the world. It's unbelievable, right? Remember, why can't we be more like Europe? I don't revel in this, but they are a mess. Belgium is overflowing with their hospitals. And you heard about France, England, Italy, all preparing to lock down. And I was watching the coverage of the U.K. today. Uh, the U.K. is saying, should we go past the regional and just lock the whole country down while there's protests everywhere? Because the people have had it. Meanwhile, the COVID comeback, the lockdowns happening in Europe. What about here throughout all the battleground states? How will that affect the campaigning? Well, do you want someone that's going to shut it down? Or do you want someone that's going to teach you to live with it until we get a vaccine? Number two. Did those meetings happen as they have been alleged when Joe Biden was a private citizen? We're not going to waste any time on this smear campaign because it's just another distraction to distract, uh, uh, again, away from four years of Donald Trump's reckless policies and his failed leadership. And I'm not going to accept the, sem- the premise of the question. Really, you're not going to accept the premise of the question of an FBI investigation since 2019 on money laundering from the vice presidential candidate's son. Bias against Republicans, conservatives, and for the worst candidate in modern politics, Joe Biden, is beyond alarming. More proof the big tech and big media are all out to destroy Trump. And the only way to stop him from ever doing it again is for Trump to win. 
Number one. Don't believe these polls. The Trump vote is always being undercounted. Pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. Whatever they're saying, the Biden lead is cut it in half. Uh, and that is Michael Moore. Four days into the pseudo end of election season, the polls, the analysis, the final messaging on the economy, the coronavirus and Hunter hijinks that is dominating for the president and everything negative for uh, Joe Biden. Also, look at the death match between taking place for control of the Senate, where Mitch McConnell says 50 50 chance they hold the majority. And I'll discuss that in a second. So with the message, the president's message is the economy. Look at the numbers. You're not going to hear that often, but especially in the middle of a pandemic when you crash the economy. But it grew. The GDP grew at 7.4 percent and 32 percent overall. No more lockdowns. He pledges. What is Joe Biden going to say? I'm going to raise the taxes, he says, for people who make over $400,000. But if you raise the uh, corporate tax, it's not Goldman Sachs that's only going to feel it. It's also the small business owner that's going to feel it. And they're going to hire less people. Don't tell me it's not going to ripple down. Logic tells you it will. You don't need an expert to do the math. So you got President Trump with these wild, well-choreographed, which I mean the backdrop, huge crowds. The passion is off the charts. And at the last minute, Joe Biden's doing some events in front of literally 12 people or 25 cars. And they honk to show their approval. Who wants to hear honking on the air? If I want to do that, I'll hop in my car and I'll go on the Long Island Expressway where all you do is sit and honk. So here's a little of the messaging yesterday on the stump. President is just amped up. Cut one. The problem is Biden is totally the biggest story. No, the second biggest story. The worst was when they spied on my campaign and they got caught. That's the biggest political corruption story in the history of our country. But this could very well be second. And we have what's called the laptop from hell. The laptop from hell. And they're not paying attention to it. What I think is key, and it can be, especially when thousands of votes decide states, Melania Trump. I told you uh, she is unbelievably likable, obviously unbelievably attractive, and unbelievably loyal to the president. She gets such such criticism. She says, why do I need this? And now the, the president needs her, and she responded. And just having somebody out there to be your advocate, at the same time, look at her. If you were really against immigration, would you actually marry two women from another country not born here? Cut two. Under Donald's leadership... We have blocked out the noise and focused on you, the American people. Under my husband's leadership, our nation is respected again. Our borders are safer. We have won wars and we have stayed out of new conflicts. We have made historic peace deals in the Middle East. Uh, It's just good to hear somebody else there obviously understand that the president takes it personal when he's insulted. Look, she gets mad at him. We read the headlines. We see page six. The guy had a wild life. He's been famous really since 1980. It's now 2020. So since he's been in his 20s, the guy was going to Studio 54. He was building the biggest, glitziest uh, buildings in Manhattan, always in the middle of a controversy, it seems, personal and professional, but came out better of it, then became a national celebrity with The Prentice. So we get it. She gets it. 
and she's standing there. And I just don't understand why people don't do the story. I don't know why I keep saying I don't understand. I do understand. They don't want to make them look like a human being. They don't want to make them look like a dad, a grandfather, and a, and, a, and a husband. They don't want to do that. And to the president's discredit, he never shows it. I mean, I've seen him with his grandkids. The world stops when they're there. And they don't care that he's the president. They jump all over him. You had more of those shots, I'm telling you, it would win a lot of people over. You talk about winning over suburban women, when you act like a real human being, which he is— that's a lot different than people that go on tweet storms against his enemies. But so many people have such disdain for him. I want to give you an example. Listen to Don Lemon describe Trump voters. Cut six. I come from a red state. I've lived in several red states. There are a lot of friends who I had to really get rid of because they, they are so nonsensical when it comes to this issue. I had to get rid of them. Because they are too far gone. I try and I try and I try. They'll say something really stupid, and then I'll show them the science, and I'll give them the information, and they still repeat those talking points. So, so this is for friends. Can you imagine how tolerant he is to strangers that come up to him and want to talk to him about it? Or pundits that come on and have another point of view. So if you can't convince your friends to agree with you, uh, I'm breaking up with you. Really? I would have no friends. Or very few friends. It would just be Eric and Allison. And they pretend to agree with me because they're on the clock. So I'd be very lonely if I had the Don Lemon rule of law when it comes to friends. Why do people have to agree with you on everything? I mean, Mets and Yankees, Giants, Jets, uh, Trump, Biden, Reagan, Carter. If they don't agree, I need new friends. What a boring life when everyone agrees with you. I show you the science. Fantastic. Hi, friends. Let me get you my beaker and my lab coat because I'm going to show you the science and win you over. Rob Cahalley on this race. You're seeing these polls. I look at Florida. They say Biden has a four to six point lead, according to Monmouth. Q poll, seven point lead for, for Biden over Trump in Pennsylvania. The Marist NBC poll. Uh, it is Trump by four. Excuse me. Trump trailing by four in Florida. And I'm saying to myself, wait a second, I'm seeing this thing close. I'm seeing other polls that don't say that. But the mainstream polls always uh, diminish the president, always. And I think it dispirits people who thinks he lost already. That's the danger. So Trafalgar has another poll. They've been doing this for a while. Their chief pollster, who got it right last time, said this last night, cut nine. You know, it's so entertaining uh, the way they just go forward and, and, and just with such confidence say these things, and yet it's exactly the same. They haven't learned anything. They don't understand how average people think, and they certainly don't know how to poll average people. So, yes, I think it's on the way to happening again, absolutely. So they think they're mispolled. You know, I just talked to Derek Van Orden, the 26-year Navy SEAL, now running for a congressional seat in Wisconsin. He says, you know, I just met with the president two weeks ago, and he's been covering Wisconsin like a typical uh, military person, not leaving one stone, not unturned, if that makes sense. And he wants to represent a congressional seat that's belonged to this guy named Ron Kind, I think, for 20 years. And it's too close to call right now, according to the Cook Report. So he says, I'm on the ground. And he was on the ground. He owned a cafe, he said, in 2016. And I thought the momentum was with him then. It is twice that now. Even though it's no longer Rob Walker, the Republican, it's uh, a Democratic governor. He thinks, and even though that Madison is very liberal, he thinks the president's going to win it. Now, every I saw a poll in the Washington Post two days ago that says the president's down by 17. I'm going to keep my—I'm just telling you them. But when this is done, I'm not throwing out my notes. Some of these polls are going to be saluted, and some of them should be destroyed. And you can't have it both ways. But one thing is pretty clear. that Everybody has Donald Trump losing this race. 
And all I could say is, if I could take a page from him, we'll see. The other question is about ticket splitting. So are you going to be that upset, be a Republican, be that upset with Donald Trump and go vote for a Democrat, a Republican governor? Excuse me, a Republican senator and governor, but Republican senator. You know how tight these races are. You know how tight it is in Maine. You know how tight it is in Arizona. You know how tight it is in Iowa. You know how tight it is in North Carolina. You know how tight it is in South Carolina. So that will decide. There's nine races they say are too close to call. And right now the Republicans open up with 53-47 advantage. But in terms of ticket splitting, this is what Dana Perino has observed. This is what history tells us. Are you going to go, I'm for Trump, and Trump carry the Republican nominee? Or are, you, or the, or the, are the people not going to like Trump and ignore the Republican nominee? Cut seven. There are very few ticket splitters left. That means that when people go to vote, they're voting straight mm-hmm. Republican or straight Democrat. You used to get a little bit more ticket splitting in the past. Like those days mm. are kind of behind them, behind us. Uh, but President Trump in this last week, you know, he, obviously he's working very hard to try to close this. And that could really help make the difference between a Chuck Schumer or a Mitch McConnell-led Senate next year. And that has everything to do with how the court is packed, the filibusters present, uh, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. become states. The Electoral College gets challenged. I mean, there is so much at stake. Not just emotion about where the country goes. one 408 I'll take your calls next. Also go through some of your emails. Uh, you'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Trump has tightened virtually every one of these swing states. Listen, don't believe these polls. The Trump vote is always being undercounted. Pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. Whatever they're saying, 
the Biden lead is cut it in half right now in your head. Cut it in half. And now you're within the four point margin of error. Mm. That's how close this is. That's how desperately close this is. And what will it say if social media, every network, every cable network outside Fox is attacking you every single day that 92 percent of the network coverage on Trump has been negative? You saw Twitter accounts being frozen for The New York Post. And now the acting director of the Border Patrol, Mark Morgan, when he tweets out something positive like we built 400 miles a wall and we are stopping sexual predators um, uh, coyotes and everything else from coming across, rapists from coming across, they disabled his account. They don't want good news about the president, and if he still wins, that is the only way to stop this. Jonathan, listen to WDBO in Orlando, Florida. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good, good. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I listen to you every day, and you have a great radio show. You really bring the truth. Um, but I'm a law enforcement officer in central Florida, and all I got to say is if people believe these polls, they're out of their mind. And once this uh, election comes out, they really got to pay attention to the fact that they can't be trusted and or go back to the uh, drawing board to figure out how we're going to do this. Second of all, yeah, I understand that people don't like uh, President Trump and his personality. But if you are questioning the difference between the Trump campaign and his style and the Biden-Harris campaign, all they have to do is contrast the two differences between the press releases that went out recently regarding the incident in Philadelphia. Granted, that was a tragic incident, and that needs to be dealt with, but let's wait till all the facts and the truth come out before we start stoking the fire of hatred, which Biden and Harris, they want to say, that, hey, we're going to bring everybody together, but then they put out press releases like this, just stoking the fire and causing more riots. Yeah, absolutely. They're the worst, and and they have no policy. And a little bit later, I'm going to read the Wall Street Journal. They said they will not endorse a candidate. But what Joe Biden has been is someone who bends with his party. When they were segregationists, he was for that. When they were pro, uh, pro-law enforcement in the 90s, obviously with that crime bill, he was for that. When they became all about health care and socializing, he's for that. And then when, they write, he, when he writes a draft for a platform which he should be dominating, he licenses it out to Bernie Sanders. So now he has the most liberal agenda maybe in Democratic or, or political history. He's got no particular policy imprint, they say, on the Democratic Party. Not one. The party has has put his stamp, their stamp, on him. And they doubt, they say the biggest risk for Biden is his physical and mental condition in the Wall Street Journal. He looks increasingly like an old 70. 70- Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Seven His campaign strategy of letting him out only once or twice a day and his refusal to take any questions isn't reassuring. The truth is American people don't know if Biden cleared deterioration from even four years ago is routine or aging or something more serious, which means we're electing Kamala Harris. Please sober up, people. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, let's go to Wesley in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Wesley, WPTF. 
Hey, Brian, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, we're thinking alike this morning. Uh, don't, don't let that worry you too much. Um, I, my, my question for you is, what, I just invite your commentary because you always have a good, good perspective on these polls. What do you say to the idea that, these, that the vast majority of the polls that are, that are sponsored by these media organizations who, as you said, are so solidly against the president have these, uh, seemingly out, these seemingly out of whack results? And it's no wonder that Trump voters don't trust them at all. And, uh, We're I would, about I would, to find out. Hey, Wesley, we'll get the answer beginning Tuesday because not one, nobody thinks he's going to win. You go up anywhere. The only people who think he's going to win are, are people I talk to on the inside of the Trump team. They see things changing. They weren't as confident as they are now. They are very confident now. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He says he's going to win in the House. He thinks that's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're saying to him, that light is a train coming after you, Mr. President. With great patriotism, with great principle, we will protect our democracy in the House. Don't even think about coming to our House on this subject. What's he even talking about? Uh, So... Nancy Pelosi just all over the place, but says she's going to hold on to the House and increase her seats. Most experts believe that. Uh, Steve Scalise hoped that won't be the case. He's uh, the House Minority Whip. Uh, Congressman Steve Scalise, welcome back. Brian, great to be back with you. Does Nancy Pelosi have to have a right to feel that confident? I've not seen any pollster say that you guys are taking back the House this cycle. Well, and then you saw the same thing four years ago when that Hillary Clinton would be president. Uh, you know, you go to these swing districts. I just got back again last night from making the swing through a lot of swing districts, especially in the swing states. And, Brian, the, uh, the energy for President Trump, Republican candidates, is off the charts. And you don't see that energy, by the way, for the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi can't even show up in those swing districts because she's so toxic in those areas. So, you know, we're, we're sure making a point that Nancy's, Nancy Pelosi wants to hold on to the gavel. And I think that's usually the biggest applause line that we're going to yank the gavel out of our hands and win back the House with Donald Trump as our president. What is the strategy to do it, though? Where, where did you target? Did you target the, the blue states? Did you try to get some of these seats back in California, New York? Yeah, if you, if you start, there's about 30 seats that are in the House held by Democrats, uh, seats that Donald Trump won four years ago. And clearly those are uh, the places that you start where there's still a lot of support for President Trump. And those Democrats typically ran saying they'd be pro-life and pro-gun and work with the president. Well, every one of them voted to impeach the president. Uh, They all have an F rating with national right to life. They've all voted to take your guns. And that's out of line with those districts. Uh, So clearly those are the places to start. But we've even got a number of districts that Hillary Clinton won by a few points last cycle where uh, we can actually flip those seats as well. So You know, a lot of these are close races. They're multi-million dollar races. uh, But the energy for the Republicans and for President Trump is off the charts. Compared to 2016, you still you think it's greater than 2016? I think it's the same. It's just that you see a lot more people today telling you they're not going to tell any pollster what they're going to do. Four years ago, there were some people who said, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm voting for Trump, but I'm voting for Trump. Today, there's a lot more people. I was in Minnesota, and look, President Trump, no no Republican, Brian, has won the state of Minnesota since 1972. 
That's how long it's been. Richard Nixon was the last president. It's the only state Reagan didn't win. And yet you go around Minnesota and people are furious with the Democrat leadership on the, the mayor, the, the governor who let their city get burned down. And they said, uh, we're not telling anybody anything, but we're voting for Donald Trump. And then we have two seats in the House that we can flip in uh, Minnesota. So, uh, again, you see the energy level. Look at the boat parades. For goodness sake, has anybody sent me a picture of a Biden boat parade? <laughs> they have Trump boat parades in places where they don't even have water. Uh, that's how much energy people have uh, for President Trump. So they might not be talking to the pollsters, but they're sure excited about voting for the president. So I'm looking at this uh, this uh, White House correspondent, Susan Crabtree, and she's, she doesn't understand, like I don't, what's going on? Pennsylvania is so close to Delaware, yet Joe Biden just shows up, has 20 pe- speaks to 20 people, and just leaves. Cut 15. Yes, it's either a colossal mistake or it's a brilliant strategy um, to run the board. Mm -hmm. But it's going to really test his dependence on the polls this time and the reliance on their accuracy. Uh, We had the same situation uh, going in a week ahead of time with uh, Hillary Clinton last time around. She was about 5 percent lead in the polls. Joe Biden right now, according to the Real Clear Politics average of polls, has a 3.8 percent lead. So, you know, this is a big test for Joe Biden, and he hasn't been there as much as Trump has been there lately. He kind of did an afterthought on Monday and headed to Chester County, which is very close to Wilmington, but it seemed like a little bit of catch-up and a little bit of trying mm-hmm. to have a do-over on the fracking issue and the oil issue. Congressman, I don't think people are buying the fact that he won't get rid of fracking and that he does want to sunset oil and gas. I think that could resonate with Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and obviously the Dakotas. Absolutely. And boy, Joe Biden really stepped in. And at the end of that last debate, when, and President Trump was pressing him, he, you know, he said, look, you know, you're out there on video saying you're going to ban fracking. And Biden said, no, I'm not. Roll the tape. And sure enough, within an hour, Trump rolled the tape and there's Joe Biden on video saying he'll ban fracking. There's Kamala on video saying she'll ban fracking. People in Pennsylvania were watching that uh, when he said he's going to ban oil, for goodness sake. Talk about the, the Green New Deal on steroids. He literally would ban oil. And, and he doubled down on it, and then they tried to walk it back later. You can't play both sides of issues. He says he's against the Green New Deal, but his website says he's for the Green New Deal. He says he's not going to raise your taxes, but he's going to repeal the Trump. He says your taxes. People are paying attention to this stuff. And I was in Pennsylvania last week, Brian. i got to tell you, the energy again for President Trump. We went to Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is where Joe Biden was born. And I couldn't find anybody that would take ownership of Joe Biden in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I think Donald Trump could actually win the town of Scranton. Uh, what, what a big statement that would be if not only he won Pennsylvania, and we know it's going to be close. All of our friends in Pennsylvania, please talk to your friends who are on the fence. There aren't right. that many, but you know what? On all the policies, they agree with Donald Trump. If they're not there yet. Yeah, you're fading out a little. I'm not sure we could. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if you can hear me, but uh, if we stay in contact, yeah. this is the last thing I want to leave you with. And uh, that is what's going on with Hunter Biden. Tony Bobulinski goes on. Nine million people watch him on Tucker's show. Not a single newspaper puts it on the front page. An editorial in the Wall Street Journal, not the end, but not any of the networks even cover the story. And it's going further. It looks like the Department of Justice has revealed the FBI has been investigating Hunter Biden and money laundering since 2019. But nothing has emerged. Here's Tony Bobulinski last night on what he did after the interview. He went right to the FBI for hours. Cut 23. They do list me as a material witness within the entire FBI 
on their computer systems, and it was a very cooperative, uh, deep dive into all the facts across that time period. In connection with what were you listed as a material witness? Uh, in connection with the discussion of the Biden family, CFC, and other operations around the world involving other countries. CEFC is a Chinese energy company associated with the Chinese Communist Party who is doing work in Russia and throughout the Belt and Road program, rebuilding these impoverished nations and essentially uh, uh, essentially holding them over a barrel until they can pay them back. What, what is your take on this story, the lack of coverage and where, what it actually consists of? And Brian, this is a major national scandal. Uh, the fact that the mainstream media is trying to cover it up, frankly, I think, has, has given it even more energy. More people are paying attention to this uh, than if they would have if it was just a one-day story and gone away, uh, because it's not gone away. Look, they impeached President Trump over allegations that weren't this serious, and the allegations turned out not to be true. Here you've got a guy, how many people that are making something up call the FBI and say, I want to come talk to you about this? Uh, this is a serious, not only a serious allegation, it's a, a major scandal that a lot of people are paying attention to because the mainstream media is deliberately ignoring it. And, good, you know, good for Tucker to keep going after this story and to get it out there. Uh, again, you know, when you see the Washington, uh, the, not only Washington establishment, but in Hollywood and in the uh, you know, Silicon Valley elites trying to suppress it, Twitter uh, banning you from tweeting a, a story from the New York Post. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. It's no fly-by-night operation. Uh, I think more people started paying attention to that New York Post story. There's uh, always challenges. People are watching Tucker. Right. And, and like you, know, you heard Ted Cruz say, the president should not be running on Hunter Biden. He brings it up, but it's not dominating. No. And it's certainly not picked up well, elsewhere. And you wonder why Nancy Pelosi brings up the 25th Amendment. It's not for Donald Trump. I think she's laying the stage for getting rid of Joe Biden. Uh, as soon as he get, we're getting into office, they, so you, they don't want to keep Joe Biden around. Cause so they, you believe they'll they do an investigation of Joe? So you, if he's elected, you think they'll do an investigation of him? Well, he's just a vessel for the far left. The radical left is going to control the agenda. They're already writing. Look at his website. Joe Biden dot com talks about the Green New Deal. Even when Joe Biden says he's not for the Green New Deal, it's his website. Of course, he's going to embrace it and support mm -hmm. it, uh, whether he believes in it or not. The far left's controlling the agenda for him already. Uh, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have a problem with removing him uh, if they could do it. So uh, finally, my last question to you is, in every battleground state, coronavirus is rising, and it's uh, going to summer levels. And we see what it's doing in Europe. We see what it's just strangling Melbourne and Australia. How does the president's message resonate with states like Wisconsin and Minnesota, where the, where the numbers are going up? You know, what people are looking at, number one, you look at the death rate, and they actually know how to treat people. Today, if you walked into a hospital with, with COVID-19, uh, with underlying conditions, you have a much higher chance of walking out alive than if you, you walked in four months ago. That's because science is advanced. President Trump's led the initiative to get a vaccine, and we're probably weeks away from multiple vaccines being approved. It uh, doesn't mean it's not around. It just means we now know how we can safely get back to our, our way of life uh, and you, you know, you've got to open the economy. People are dying, by the way, uh, Brian, from having the shut-in going on. People are dying from opioid abuse, overdoses, suicides at record levels. Kids that are being denied the ability to go in the classroom and learn again are being left behind and are being denied their future opportunity uh, because of some of these shut-ins. So we, we know it's out there. We know we're confronting it. Uh, let's let science keep advancing like it is, and then let's 
safely reopen our economy and our schools at think, the same time. Do you think the president wins again? I think he does. And I think it's just like last time. There are a lot of close states. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout in any of these swing states, but the energy level in Pennsylvania, in Florida, where I was just two days ago, in North Carolina, in Minnesota, in Ohio, and Michigan. I mean, it's it's tremendous enthusiasm for the president. There'll be close states. Uh, but I think in the end, his enthusiasm level is off the charts. There's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden uh, because people know he's being controlled by the radical left. All right, Congressman Steve Scalise, thanks so much. Best of luck. Great being with you, man. Stay healthy. one 408 7669 Back to wrap things up this hour, but not by a long shot on this show. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We're going to get the Florida result early. We think we're going to get a lot of results in that 7, 8 o'clock hour from Florida. And just remind you what happened in 2016 and what we could tell from that vote that came in in Florida in 2016. Think along the Gulf Coast in Florida when you saw at 745, 8 o'clock on election night 2016 that Donald Trump was running 10, 15 points better in these counties than Mitt Romney had four years earlier. He was hitting levels you didn't think a Republican was going to hit in terms of support. He was seeing turnout levels you didn't think a Republican was going to be able to create. You saw that along the Gulf Coast. It told you, A, that Trump had a shot to win Florida, certainly, which he ended up doing. But it also told you, wait a minute, who are the older white voters who live along the Gulf Coast, who have moved to the Gulf Coast of Florida? Oh, they're from Wisconsin. They're from Michigan. They come down from the Midwest and they retire to the Gulf Coast. So if you're seeing that surge along the Gulf Coast of Florida early for Donald Trump, it told us in 2016, look out for it in a couple hours when we start getting those votes from the Midwest, which is exactly what happened. So that's a little bit uh, what took place last year at this time. And we're coming up on this again. We're four days in. 80 million people have voted. Hopefully there are places like Florida where they can start counting already and get ahead of the game. But I'm a little down on getting a verdict by November 4th because North Carolina is allowing three days afterwards for ballots to come in. That's just an invitation for problems. Listen, you're listening to me right now. If you have to mail in your ballot, mail it in today. What are you waiting for November 2nd for? Uh, Doc, you listen on WOKV in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Doc. Hey, contrary to the popular belief, the Democrats do not own the black vote. Uh, They are waking up in droves, you know, but you got to keep speaking the culture when they we're not talking about defund the police no more. You got to keep nailing that in because now they want us to vote for the top cop. You remember defund the police? See, Kamala Harris is is the one who's actually running. So you 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 remind the black culture that you're voting for Kamala Harris, the top cop. And then I want you to understand Black Lives Matter and black thugs are completely different. The black thuggish community is about 80 percent Trump, 80 percent Trump. They know what's happening. And they remind them. Remember when Obama said uh, jobs, jobs, shovel ready jobs, Obamacare killed a lot of jobs where black people had to work two and three jobs. We keep speaking that language. It's waking black the black culture up. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate you, my brother. I hear you. Go get him, Doc. Tommy, Pennsylvania. Tommy. Hey, Brian. Love your show. Um, so what I'm are things like from... on the ground there? Where in Pennsylvania are you? Where is Charlotte? Uh, you're in, excuse me. Where is, where in Pennsylvania are you? 
I'm an old Forge, Pennsylvania. That would be Been Joe there. Biden's, I guess you would say, backyard. Scranton is my neighboring town, and Lackawanna County is what Scranton resides in. So there. tell me how it felt in 2016, and tell me how it feels now. The enthusiasm in 2016 was there, but today the enthusiasm is even higher for Donald Trump. No matter where you go, there's Trump signs, there's Trump stores. There's no Joe Biden signs. I mean, there's a select few, I guess you would say, in his area, Scranton. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I mean, this is a majority small business area. Even my town is a small business area. And the enthusiasm when President Trump came to Old Forge was something like I've never seen in my life of living in the town. (laughs) I mean, Old Forge, it's a primarily Democratic town. And the amount up for him just to see him for 30 seconds was unbelievable. Oh, that's so interesting. It was unbelievable. Yeah, for, for a guy that gets almost all negative press, there's something about when he goes to the people, people just have to see him. I didn't see it with George Bush. I saw it in the beginning when, Joe, when Barack Obama was running in 2008, but I did not see it later. All I saw was a lot of empty seats with Barack Obama. With all the charisma he had, it was surprising. Uh, thanks so much, Tommy. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go out to uh, Pat, listening on Coil in Omaha, Nebraska. Pat. Hey, Brian. Uh, I, I was going to tell you, you spoke at the Scottish Rite uh, Temple in Omaha, what, about a year ago? Yep. And uh, so Trump was here Tuesday night. We were going to go about seven blocks to the east in downtown. The traffic was a gridlock at like about 5 o'clock, 5.30. You couldn't even get close to the airport, 29,000 people. And do you, you remember how far away the airport was from sure. where you were at? Yeah, so I'm just saying, I, I just don't, I don't get the polls. I don't understand. I mean, if you would have, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, hey, hey, Pat, how I've big a deal was like not having a ride back from the airport? Are people angry? No, no, not at all. No, 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 no but nobody that I ever talked to was upset about that. Yeah, nobody. I mean, I don't know what President Trump was supposed to do, but Joe Biden was making a big deal of it. And I felt bad because it's winter, it's late. But for some reason, the vans couldn't pick up the people at the airport. So they were freezing. And I think something like that happened to us. That happened to me at the Super Bowl, which is a great event, obviously. But at the end, you couldn't get on a train. And I was able to get a ride out. But all those people were so angry, it kind of wiped out the whole day. I was wondering if people had that same feeling after waiting all that time for the president to show up in Omaha, Nebraska, because he needs every bit. Got a separate district with separate electoral votes. It's going to be exciting. one 866 See, what the president sees on the ground and what I hear here is totally different from what the polls show. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can always uh, find out and get any of my books where I spoke in Omaha about my books. Um, you could get them at briankilmeade.com. I spoke about Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, or Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, or George Washington, Secret Six, or, or which one am I forgetting? Andrew Jackson, The Miracle of New Orleans. Because there is a war on history, and this is your way of pushing back. Brian Kilmeade Show. And by the way, if you want to get the podcast, if you ever have to miss a show, it's posted. Go to Spotify or BrianKilmeadeShow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. 
Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Brian Kilmeade Show, four days and counting to the big election day or the end of election season, I hope. Fingers crossed we get a clear verdict and there's not going to be any problems. Uh, these are issues. I come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world on the show that thankfully the ratings are going through the roof because people care so much and uh, we're lucky enough to have the best guests, including Raul Rivera standing by. We're also going to be joined by Carly Shimkus to give us a little bit of a look into more to know. And then we're going to be joined by a great columnist with the Wall Street Journal has an interesting perspective on this entire operation and what we really should be thinking about when it comes to the polls. Quick note, did you see this, Allison? Did you see this outrageous story? And I'm trying to find out if it was a joke, but do you see that Governor Cuomo had has put one of his personal detail? I guess he's a 35-year-old cop, and he's evidently was da- found out he was dating his daughter, and he sent her up to a post upright by the Canadian border? I mean, how unbelievable is that? She said she's in her 20s. It's not like something unsavory happened. They were dating. So now he has to go, what, 300 miles away? What's with this guy? So the front page of the New York Post, only in New York. And the governor's still on his book tour in the middle of a pandemic. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Worldwide total coronavirus cases now surpassing 45 million and Europe is beginning to feel the devastating effects of a second wave. Overnight, Germany hit a new record high for COVID cases for the third day in a row. A four-week lockdown starts there Monday. The city of Liege in Belgium has one of the highest positivity rates in the world. There you go. Um, By the way, uh, this is true. COVID cases are going up everywhere. You're seeing it everywhere. Lockdowns bring Europe to a complete stop as hospitals brace for a flood of patients. Belgium already overwhelmed. And here in the U.S., every battleground state is experiencing surges in cases. What will it take to tame this virus? And is it about time to admit until a vaccine is here, our behavior really does not matter that much and our sacrifices are not amounting too much? Number two. Did those meetings happen as they have been alleged when Joe Biden was a private citizen? We're not going to waste any time on this smear campaign because it's just another distraction to distract, again, away from four years of Donald Trump's reckless policies and his failed leadership. And I'm not going to accept the premise of the question. Really? That's too bad. Not accepting the premise of a question is the vice presidential candidate involved in uh, influence peddling with his son. Bias against Republicans, conservatives, and for the worst candidate in modern politics, Joe Biden, is beyond alarming. More proof big tech and big media are all in to destroy Trump. The only way to stop it, for Trump to win. Number one. Don't believe these polls. The Trump vote is always being undercounted. Pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. Whatever they're saying, the Biden lead is cut it in half. Liberal angry uh, documentarian Michael Moore. Four days till the pseudo end of election season. The polls, the analysis and final messaging as the economy, the coronavirus and Hunter hijinks dominate the messaging for the press and Joe Biden. Just how bad Donald Trump is. We'll talk about all that, including the chances of the Republicans keeping the Senate. And Mitch McConnell says it's 50-50. We're efforting to get any sound if there is some. But evidently, Joe Biden just came across press and the word is he walked away from them. He answered one quick question and walked away. He does not want to answer the question, what do you know about Tony Bobolinsky? And what do you know about your son's business dealings? After all, he has a different story than you do. And when you run on integrity, that's the issue. Joining us now, Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, 
Do you think hey, Joe Rob, Biden's going to be forced to answer that question sometime in the next four days? I think he'll be asked, uh, he'll be sure to answer the question sometime in the next four years. I think they'll do everything they can to delay, uh, avoid uh, being confronted, uh, continue to denigrate the story, ridicule the story, uh, you know, uh, not deal with the substance. For instance, they've not even answered the question. No one in the Biden camp has answered the question whether the computer found was indeed Hunter Biden's. And the second question is, if the computer is Hunter Biden's, are the emails and texts com- uh, contained in the computer, are they legit? Now, no one's denied that they're legit. No one's denied the, co- the computer is Hunter's. Uh, but, that you, you know, why not? And the Republicans can continue to raise a stink about it. Uh, but the Democrats are counting on, uh, you know, just just waiting it out, just kind of, you know, toughing it out, ignoring the reporters for four days. And then once he's elected, if indeed he is, uh, then they can deal with it. Uh, the pace will uh, mellow out and they'll deal with it sometime next year. Uh, but it's infuriating. The worst thing by far isn't the Biden's conduct, uh, as you alluded, Brian. The worst thing by far is how New York Times, Washington Post, CBS, NBC, ABC, uh, you know, Associated Press, how they've all given the Biden family a pass on this Bubalinsky story that they've uh, not even been uh, they, they haven't gone into investigating the computer or its contents either. They don't care. They ignore the story. It's uh, the only place you've seen it is on Fox News or on the opinion page of the Wall Street Journal. It's, it's it's shocking. It's outrageous. It's scandalous and very frustrating. Brian. But what does it tell you? that Tucker got 8 million viewers two days in a row because people are interested in that story. What does it tell you that the New York Post is getting all this focus because they've been locked out of their own Twitter account? Does that hearten you at all, that the American people do not like the stiff arm? Yes, and uh, bravo New York Post. I should have led with them as, uh, you know, the the leading, uh, you know, uh, maverick in the, in the media world where they absolutely went with the story and did it in their own flamboyant style. So that's uh, that's great. Now, the, the question is, w- will it make a difference? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that what's happening is the president has tremendous energy right now, uh, maybe ill-advised uh, masks and so forth with these big rallies, but they certainly have zest. Uh, they have energy. They have uh, a diversity. Uh, they they have uh, they're rambunctious. They they love the guy, and he's bouncing around. Uh, it's amazing for a 74 year old guy. Biden, on the other hand, is having these so carefully controlled uh, rallies. Uh, he's covered religiously by CNN and uh, MSNBC. Fox puts him on too, uh, so he can make a speech. Uh, you know, pretending there's a crowd out there and really there's 26 people in a in a parking lot. Uh, you know, but I, I, I think that Biden is is losing energy. Trump is gaining energy. I think that there's a real. I think Michael Moore is right. I think there's a real undercount of the Trump vote. I mean, if you get a call, you're going to say I'm for Trump, and and someone's going to say, What are you kidding me? Uh, so it's better to lie or or to dissemble or to uh, avoid the question completely. So I do believe that it's a lot closer, and I, I think that the three states will be Florida, Pennsylvania, and here in Ohio, Brian. That he'll win? I, that he will win and, well, he must win. All three. He, he will definitely win Ohio and Florida. 
Uh, Pennsylvania is still a question, but I think even there it seems to have momentum. So, Hugh, tell me if this bothers you, if you can remember something similar to this. If I, if I asked anyone, even the, the greatest uh, defender or detractor of Donald Trump, what does he stand for? Well, he's going to build a wall. Okay. He's going to build up defense. Absolutely. He's going to give you a tax cut. Yep, he's going to do that. He's going to, um, he's going to reform immigration. Okay. You want to vote for him? Vote for him. I knew exactly if I was going to press the lever, I knew what I was getting. We do not know. What Joe Biden's going to do, because Joe Biden has said, I'm going to get rid of fracking, get rid of fossil fuels. And he says, I'm not getting rid of them. And then he says, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, he says, I'm not going to get rid of fracking. Obviously, he says um, he also goes out of his way to say that he is not going to give a tax. Uh, he's not going to give a tax increase for people who make under $400,000. But we all know that if you increase the corporate tax to 28%, that's going to affect everybody from the dry cleaner to Goldman Sachs uh, executive. And I look at the Wall Street Journal today, as I mentioned to you on television, and I'll bring you to the heart of it. What evidence, evidence is there today that Biden will not re, will restrain his increasingly radical party? Across his long career, he has been the consummate party man, voting right, or left with the political tides. As a political presidential candidate this year, he has put no particular policy imprint on the Democratic Party, not one. The party has put the stamp on him and on his physical condition. Uh, all I want to, you know, have, I don't want to ridicule him, but he's going to be running the country if he wins. The biggest risk with Biden is his physical and mental condition. He looks increasingly like an old 77. His strategy of letting him out only once or twice a day, and his refusal to take nearly all media question is not reassuring. The truth is that Americans don't know if Biden's clear deterioration from even four years ago is routine aging or something more serious. Well, as a young 77, I can only say that uh, part of my youthful exuberance comes from my just for men hair coloring, uh, I, <laughs> and I have a far more uh, serious problem in my house. My mother-in-law is threatening never to speak to me again if I vote for President Trump, and my wife has said that she may not be physically attracted to me anymore if I vote for Donald Trump. So uh, I'm living in one of those divided households, Brian, where the husband's going one way and the wife is going the other way. Uh, you know, so it shows the division in the country. I think that how which spouse is more eloquent and persuasive in getting the other one to uh, to come over to their side is uh, is going to be determinant on who the president is. Insofar as Biden's uh, liberalism, I don't think there's any question, but the progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, it believes that they have gotten him this far, that they're going to want their cut. They're going to want Bernie Sanders as labor secretary. They're going to want Elizabeth Warren as treasury secretary. They're going to want all the other issues that he has piled on. The one I agree with is the $15 an hour minimum wage, but we can have that discussion another time. Uh, but there's no doubt but that AOC and the squad and, and so forth are going to have their uh, the party is going to shift to the left in a major, major way, and they've earned that, uh, you know, in terms of the votes uh, from the Democratic side. Uh, it's a different world, a different world now. And well, I don't think they've earned be, it, and that's where we're different. Be because if they, if you're going to run on getting rid of fracking, like AOC wants, like uh, Elon Omar insists, like Bernie Sanders claims, if you're going to be uh, doing, what Bernie Sanders says we're going to push him to the left. So right. if I'm electing Bernie Sanders, if I elect Bernie Sanders, I know what I got. Then you, you're right. But if you're going to tell me that you're going to bring people together and, you know, uh, do I look like a socialist and laugh off those accusations, then you're not telling me who you are. And we well, know. I, so I, I agree with you. But so what? 
It has worked so far. This whole who would have thought that you could have a major candidate running for president of the United States and having off days every other day Amazing. and not going further Amazing. than uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and be not only competitive but favored. I mean, it, no one would have thought that, and it's all because. I'm telling you, the, this media story is huge. Is, is so underplayed. Uh, it is it, it is so profound that these 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 influence peddlers uh, posing as uh, as our, our you know, thought police have have done what they have done to us, what they have done to the American people in terms of curtailing the dialogue, in terms of ignoring uh, any fault in one side, exaggerating every uh, perceived uh, uh, problem with the other side. They've been absolute partisans. It's reminding me of like uh, uh, the 1790s when, uh, uh, you know, papers were published, well, uh, Biden is an ignorant slut or uh, Trump is a, yeah. you know, a communist uh, killer. But you know, it's, uh, there's no restraint uh, when it comes. You read the New York Times. I read the New York Times. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I read the New York Times. And there's 20 stories that are negative to Trump, zero that are negative to zero. Biden. And that's on the that's on the the editorial, not the editorial. That's on the uh, you know what I mean the editorial, the written. The, I'll, the I'll news, give you an example, Arado. I'll give you an example. There, there's a story to be written about what Joe Biden's doing behind the scenes. What's it like? Uh, what's it like as he is he pushing to get out there? Or is his staffers pushing him back after he has a major flub? Say if you don't vote if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. What was the story behind the scene? We never get that. We don't get it from Axios. We don't get it from Politico. We don't hear about rumors, but we hear that Donald Trump thinks he could lose, and or we hear that Donald Trump had a temper tantrum. We hear that all these inside. Of, I go, how come no one's even curious or writing any stories about how Joe Biden mentally locks maybe behind. Behind the scenes, and it gets his people concerned. Or what about the chemistry behind the scenes with Kamala Harris, who just destroyed him on the debate stage, and he at the last minute, last minute lobbied the governor, the governor of Michigan instead of her. That is a story. And if I'm covering him, I want that stuff, but I don't get any of that. So here's an. But you, you had and your uh, with your experience, noticing how bad the media is is noteworthy. I'm going to bring you to something else. We, we you and I debate on. Immigration, but it's clearly a positive point for the president. He's got 400 miles of wall. He cut deals with three triangle com- uh, countries. He's withstroyed with uh, with a, gave a, restored their aid. So Mark Morgan tweets out. We continue to build new wall every day. Every mile helps us stop gang members, murderers, sexual predators and drugs from entering our country. And he has his account blocked. And they won't restore it when he petitions. It was only when he got huge outrage after two days it got back there. That is a good story for Trump supporters. That, to me, is as bad as it gets. He is a sitting secretary. I think it's outrageous. And it shows the one good thing is it it is so revealing of the latent, up until now, latent, now kinetic power of these social media platforms. I quit Facebook because of it. I'm only on Twitter, but to watch Twitter making these decisions, I want to see what their political desk looks like. Who are these people making a decision as really as as unsupportable, as as inconceivable as the one you describe? The other thing, you know, Miles Taylor, the guy that wrote Anonymous. Yes. The, how how did he get the the leverage or the the clout 
to have a, an essay uh, on the op-ed page of the New York Times condemning the inner workings of the Trump administration and vowing that he was, he anonymous, was the, uh, you know, one of the resistance within the Trump administration. A guy the president doesn't even remember meeting. The, the, the New York yeah. Times right runs uh, the anonymous op-ed, then the guy markets that into a major book, then he's revealed as the deputy chicken crap of the, you know, uh, Homeland Security. Get rid of you. Get rid of you. uh, He he lied about it on CNN and all the rest of it. Can you imagine that? uh, Rob, I'm up against a hard break. Uh, You know it. Uh, Thanks so much, Rob. Have a great weekend. We're going to sprint to the finish. Uh, We come back to your calls. Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's try to squeeze in for a good quang call. Mike from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hey, Mike. Brian, can you hear me? Mike, you're on. Hey, good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Big fan. Uh, big question here is where is William Barr in all this? Yeah, your best answer on that. I don't know. I, I think that he doesn't want to seem too overtly political, but the FBI is investigating. I don't know what they're doing. I got two contacts in the FBI. I wrote them both last night. And both did not write me back. They both asked me, what do you need to speak about? And then when I told them, because I was honest, uh, they have not called me back. I don't understand why they wouldn't be investigating this, especially when you have a willing witness with a great reputation in Tony Kobolinsky. But the fact that they sat with him for five hours is big. And their boss is the Department of Justice, William Barr. Listen, I have great faith in him for the president of the United States to even be critical of him. I think it's crazy because he's been their MVP. When you saw a real attorney general as opposed to what Jeff Sessions was, which was a nice man but way over his head, uh, I think the president would be great. If he wins, you should keep him around. And then they'll be looking into getting rid of getting Michael Flynn free and really finding out what the Durham report reveals. But they're desperate to try to keep the judiciary branch away from the political branch. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. In the debate last week with Donald Trump, he said, we're rounding the corner. It's going away. We're learning how to live with it. No, he expects us learning how to die with it. That's what I told him. He's doing nothing. We're learning to die with it. Donald Trump has waved the white flag, abandoned our families, and surrendered to the virus. Let me just tell you, someone should tell him he's got a microphone already. He doesn't have to scream at us every day in the few times he does speak. Uh, David Galerner, uh, Galerner uh, wrote, uh, works full-time at Yale, who is computer science, but he wrote a column in the Wall Street Journal today, and I wanted to speak to him about it. The headline tells it all, Joe Biden's COVID fairy tale, that what he would do is anything much different than what the president's doing. And, David, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. David, first off, you're not saying the president's been perfect, but you're trying to say that what Joe Biden's presenting is not different. 
Uh, right. Well, really, he's presenting nothing at all. But he, uh, we conclude from what he's saying that what he would do is exactly what the president has done. It's very hard to make him out. I mean, he doesn't have a lucid plan. Um, but but that's what we conclude. He has no new ideas, certainly. He, he, he has no strategy in mind other than what the president has already put in place, successfully, by the way. So you talk about, for example, he'd have much more credibility. If, tell us what you do different, but also salute what's working. Operation Warp Speed is working. The stats aren't lying. We are on the precipice of having maybe three vaccines ready to go, and they're all pre-made, for lack of a better term. So if one gets the green light, we already have it produced. This is stuff that Donald Trump didn't come up with himself, but he empowered the people to, to think out of the box. Right. Even the New York Times has noticed that Warp Speed has been an enormous success. Uh, New York Times being essentially the center of of uh, left liberal thought in this country, so uh, it's um, there's no way to argue with it. Uh, the president laid out a plan, and the plan is working, and we still have a lot to handle, a lot to deal with, but we've got a way to do it. We've got a way to to move forward. That that proves that it can cut down the mortality rate. It can uh, cut down hospital admissions and, in general, be a success. Right. So there's, as we're seeing overseas, you could do everything and you do the opposite of us. And, man, I wish we were like Angela Merkel. And look at Macron. Seems got a hold of it. And Italy was so bad. Now they're eating out and they're enjoying their life again. And I'm looking, right. watching international news, and things have gotten worse in all those nations. Might it be an ounce of humility to the critics who sit in the sidelines if, if, uh, as if this pandemic doesn't come by once every hundred years? Well, humility is not part of the vocabulary of the left. I, uh, to to uh, apologize or to look back self-critically is something that conservatives do all the time. Uh, is something that, in my experience, left liberals never do. At least they never do in public. So I'm not expecting uh, any comments by way of saying, well, maybe, maybe what we were advocating was not such a brilliant idea after all. Maybe the president had the right idea. That's what the statistics tell us. But uh, we're going to read in the statistics. We're not going to hear it from the nation's mainstream press or my colleague professors at Yale or any other university. Um, so uh, a blackout on Trump's successes continues to operate every day, every hour. And how much do the American people know? Well, they know a lot more than, than the left wants them to know, but not as much as they ought to know. Professor, and you point out, too, and what I think I love most about your column is you don't say, I, Donald Trump is the best ever, never makes any mistakes. You said, you know, he's, he's so different, so at times vulgar, he turns off conservatives. Other times he can be reckless. Sometimes reckless ends up in a good way, and sometimes maybe Amy Coney Barrett with no one wearing masks opens people up with this nomination uh, opens people up to getting the virus and ends up he ends up in Walter Reed. You get that. But uh, over, absolutely. He's right. a human being. He's not faultless. But you have to add these things up. Yes, people got COVID at the Amy Coney Barrett thing, and, and some might have died. On the other hand, a peace treaty in the Middle East is a huge thing. 
uh, and a roaring economy at the beginning of uh, his term, and, and, the, and the economies rebuilding now are gigantic things. It seems to me they just enormously overshadow a fairly minor spike in the disease. The spike is terrible. We all want it to go away. But to focus only on the disease and not on the life of the United States as a whole is preposterous. So, Professor, you're over at Yale where most people probably are not giving him a fair shot. They just don't feel he's worthy for the office. Am I right? You can say that again. Yeah. So the fact that you're open to it and you're calling balls and strikes, you're pretty much an anomaly. In your lifetime, have you ever seen a press more in the tank for a candidate that has so little or just for any candidate, whether it's ignoring the Hunter Biden story or ignoring the insanely good numbers that came out about the economy yesterday? Well, to be honest, there was a level of hysteria in the pro-Obama years that I don't think could ever be overtopped. But if it could be, it's getting matched and beaten by hysteria, pro-Biden hysteria. When the man is such, so vacuous, has said so little, I, we have no idea what he will do. We would have no idea why he wants to be president. He, pro- he tells us nothing, projects nothing. Let him back to his basement and go back to sleep. It's, it's, he is a nonsensical candidate. He is. And as the president says, how could I lose to this guy? He's the worst candidate ever. How am I ever going to deal with it? It's going to be pretty obvious when Facebook, Twitter, and Google uh, make sure of it, when every network go, make, goes out of the way to make it happen, when you, need a, when you need a microscope to read the New York Times to see anything remotely positive about the president, and when people aren't as into it as we are, average people to a couple of kids, two jobs, worried about the pandemic. They're not drilling down like we're doing. They pick up the paper, they hear the news, they go, wow, this guy must be terrible. I, you know, why would he even consider running again? Right, but at the same time, why do conser- conservatives are too passive and too lazy? They, meet, they need more people like you in conservative news uh, environments. They need a new Twitter and a new Facebook. It's easy to do. We invented Twitter at Yale. It's not a, uh, or we built the first Twitter-like stream, let me put it that way, in the, in the mid-90s. The software is easy to develop. The idea is easy for anybody to understand. Facebook is a mess of a system. It's easy to build a much better one. So why are we just sitting around and, and, and not doing this? I mean, there are plenty of engineers, there are plenty of scientists and technologists who, who understand what's going on. A minority, obviously the great majority, are left liberals, but that still leaves many, many bright people and brilliant people in the scientific community who could get us going if they had the support, the support from the conservative community, the funds they need to build new companies or whatever institution they're going to build to create new social networks. The the world is waiting for an alternative to Twitter and Facebook, and it could be out there in a matter of months. What are we waiting for? I mean, we've seen a catastrophic election cycle. I think Trump will win, but why should it have been this close? We've allowed ourselves, public airwaves, public uh, Internet to be swamped. I mean, we built the Internet with our own money, with federal tax dollars. Why is it dominated by these uh, uh, bizarrely far-left voices? I hear you. And the, on top of that, too, I, how ironic. The president made Twitter. 
It was the president's tweet to put Twitter Absolutely. on the map. It made everybody Absolutely. it made everybody get on Twitter. How could you cover the president and not get on Twitter? And they froze his account sixty five times. They haven't re- they haven't frozen the Grand Ayatollah's account. Not one Democrat has had their account frozen. But the Border Patrol sec the the uh, the Border Patrol secretary, director of Border Patrol, he got his account frozen for pointing out they built four hundred miles of wall. It's crazy. The craziest thing is not that Twitter is insane. We've known that for a long time, although it's never been as insane as it is now. The crazy thing is uh, we don't why we don't build another Twitter. You, got it. Uh, you know, we, th- this is no good. It's corrupt, fundamentally corrupt. Supersede it. Build a new one. Can I, I'm going to. It's fascinating talking to you, Professor. Um, Thanks. Dr. Uh, Anthony Fauci is lauded. I mean, he reminds me of everybody's uncle. Uh, I'm a, from a half, yeah. I'm half Italian, and he reminds me yeah. of somebody that I would see uh, every holiday. One seems like a wonderful guy. Seems like Phil Rizzuto. But please stop telling <laughs> right. me that he says something that helps me. He said the same thing gradually over the course of three months. And listen to him yesterday. He he actually governs by interview. Cut thirty. If we get a vaccination campaign, and by the second or third quarter of 2021, we have vaccinated a substantial proportion of the people, I think it will be easily by the end of 2021 and perhaps even into the next year before we start having some semblances of normality. Well, his ideas are strictly conventional, and he doesn't understand that the public mood is one element of how we handle this pandemic, if we're going into it frightened to death and looking forward to more catastrophic months ahead, we're going to do far less. We're going to be far less effective and vigorous in combating the disease than if we have a guy like Donald Trump saying, uh, look, it's been bad. He never denies that it's been bad and it's going to continue to be bad. But we've made an enormous lot of progress, a huge amount of progress. At, at a rate no country has ever made it before in developing new treatments and in making extraordinary strides toward the vaccine. If we look at how far we've come, we're going to be optimistic about the future, not uh, not grim and determined right. to see more disasters around the next corner, which is what the left wants to do now as we approach an election. Afterwards, they may uh, they may tell the truth or they may not, depending on their mood. But we they're transparent now. It's amazing that they are so shameless. They've always been leftist. But but the fact the fact that they don't they don't care who sees it, who knows it is a new development. Their blatant Mm -hmm. shamelessness. And again, really, it's shame on us for not making right. competing media, which we know we can do. Got it. I mean, we've got Fox, for example. There are software companies that are not dominated by lunatics, not very many big ones today, but it can be done. We know how to let's, do it. Let's do what it. What are we waiting for? Yeah, Yale professor, you, Yale professor <laughs> uh, uh, David Galertner, thanks so much. Read his column today and every Thank day, uh, Joe Biden's COVID fairy tale. Uh, professor, thanks again. Thanks to you. Many thanks. Go get him. When we come back, Carly Shimkus lets us know that we need to know more. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. Now, why did you play that, uh, Allison? Well, I was told that you were blown away and in shock when you heard Carly just whistling away one day. Oh. <laughs> Carly Shimkus is here, everybody. Oh and, and what happened? You walked into the set, and you were whistling. Yeah. And well, I, I pointed actually, at... Okay, it was kind of an embarrassing moment for me because I was... I thought I was by myself. And then I was in the green... We were in the green room. Yeah. I was in the green room because it's so early. There's not a lot of people around. And so I was whistling and making coffee, and then all of a sudden I hear... You whistle? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't like whistling, but I never saw a woman whistle. Okay. Women don't usually whistle. Yeah, it's kind of a habit. I whistle a lot. <laughs> Did that mean yes. you're always ha- you are happy? I, I guess I, I guess it's sort of a sign of happiness. It's just, it's a habit. But yeah, I was happy in that moment. But yeah. All right, BrianKillMe.com. Tell me if you whistle and tell me if you're a woman. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's Let, get a poll going. Let's find out if there's on, even ladies. more to know. More to know with Carly Shimkus. I can't get over this one because a day after Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey was uh, grilled in the Senate hearing over allegations of conservative censorship, Twitter temporarily suspends Mark Morgan's Twitter account, Customs Border Protection Commissioner. This is the tweet that got him suspended. He said, it's a fact walls work. Every mile helps us stop gang members, murderers, sexual predators, and drugs from entering our country. Fact. However, Twitter said that that violates their hateful conduct policy. They later reversed that decision, but I am sure that Ted Cruz would love to call him back into another Senate trial to it's explain It's unacceptable. That one. It's crazy. And they said, no, we, it's upstanded. We're going to leave it. And then finally they said, oops, we made a mistake. They don't care. They're arrogant. They just want to squelch anything positive for Trump. Most people who are level-headed are really alarmed about what's happening right now. Yeah. Next. Little Wayne, a rapper that I know because he is extremely influential in the black community, and I know that because Odell Beckham was having problems, other people. Also, he's a heck of an entrepreneur. Out of nowhere, he met with the President of the United States over this new platinum plan Mm -hmm. and came away impressed, and he will now vote for him and put on social media a picture of him and the president. He said he met, he listened, the rapper had a great meeting with the president. He was quoted as saying, Wayne believes it will give the community real ownership. And he says that he can get it done. Yeah. Ice Cube said the same thing. Right. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure that they totally endorsed them or said that they were going to vote for the president. I, I could be wrong about that. But still, what what Ice Cube and um, Little Wayne are talking about. He says about, he's endorsing Trump oh, based really? on his track record on criminal Little justice Little Wayne reform. said that. Little Wayne. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that this is a, a really selfless move by... Uh, both Ice Cube and Lil Wayne putting themselves out there and saying, listen, I know that this is in a popular position within my community, but I'm going to reach across the aisle and try and get things done. Next. Okay. Uh, ooh, what do I want to talk about? Let's talk about uh, this new study that finds LeBron James the most influential star 
on voting issues during the 2020 election style, this cycle. The other influential celebrities, Taylor Swift, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Oprah Winfrey, all of them have either endorsed Joe Biden or spoken out against President Trump. But right. no surprise there. Brett Favre has just tweeted yeah. out that he is endorsing the president of the United States. We'll see. Influential. If Joe Biden still loses with the biggest people in music and in in uh, uh, and movies. Yeah. Jay Cutler also endorsed President Trump. Yeah. Jay yeah. Cutler, yeah. The, the former standout quarterback with mm-hmm. Chicago. Next, Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost got married in a private ceremony. Aww. She is two years older than him. Do you think that's going to be a problem? <laughs> two years? Two are years. You, are you asking me seriously? Yes. <laughs> no. I don't think that will be a problem. She's she, beautiful. I think she's one of the most beautiful people in the world. Uh, they are living. They bought an iconic four-bedroom crib there for $4 million back in 2018. Oh, so they've be been really living nice with bedrooms. each other. Yeah, yeah, that must be really nice. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, this is such a cute story. A Virginia seven-year-old gets the best treat this Halloween after dressing up as Alex Trebek. So the game show host shared this sweet message with the boy on Facebook, writing, Evan, seeing you in your costume made my day. Thank you for making me smile. So this young boy has multiple disabilities, is nonverbal, but his parents say that when Jeopardy comes on, he lights up. That's fantastic. I love that. Alex Trebek. I could cry. I actually am weirdly emotional about this right now. I might need to step outside. You are in touch with your emotions, Carly. I, I, That's nothing I to be ashamed of. I surely am. Have a sensational weekend. I'm going to go ahead and whistle on out. You better. <laughs> Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York and heard around the country, around the world. Uh, We are going to have Shannon Bream in a matter of moments. She's been killing it at 11 o'clock Eastern time with her show. I watched the repeat. It's virtually the same thing at about uh, 3 in the morning. It helps me get ready for this show. And for Fox and Friends, Will Kane at the bottom of the hour, uh, all coming your way. We're following the breaking news. We watched Joe Biden answer one question and just basically storm away from a bunch of reporters. He knows as soon as this thing gets unscripted, somebody with courage is going to ask him, is that your son's laptop? What about the exchange where he says 50% goes to, uh, to when he tells his daughter, I'm not going to get 50%. I'm going to ask you for 50% of your earnings like my dad asked me for 50% of mine uh, and other things where he's being investigated now, according to Fox has found that out. He's being investigated now by the FBI as Hunter Biden for money laundering. Now, I don't think that's going to decide the election, but I think it's an important thing to be bring up during the election cycle. And we'll discuss that. 70 million people have already voted. We are four days away from the end of election season, but I think it's going to go a little bit longer. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Worldwide total coronavirus cases now surpassing 45 million, and Europe is beginning to feel the devastating effects of a second wave. Overnight, Germany hit a new record high for COVID cases for the third day in a row. A four-week lockdown starts there Monday. The city of Liege in Belgium has one of the highest positivity rates in the world. Uh, There you go. Uh, That is the COVID comeback. Lockdowns uh, are bringing Europe to a complete stop as hospitals brace for a flood of patients. Belgium already overwhelmed. And here in the U.S., every battleground state is experiencing surges in cases. What will it take to tame this virus? And is it about time to admit until a vaccine is available? We cannot. Are you even convinced our sacrifices have worked? We'll discuss. Number two. 
Did those meetings happen as they have been alleged when Joe Biden was a private citizen? We're not going to waste any time on this smear campaign because it's just another distraction to distract, uh, uh, again, away from four years of Donald Trump's reckless policies and his failed leadership. And I'm not going to accept the, sem- the premise of the question. Right. And what do the president's taxes have to do with his leadership? And why should we talk about personal behavior? Bias against Republicans slash conservatives. And for the worst candidate in modern political history, Joe Biden is beyond alarming. More proof big tech and big media are all in to destroy Trump. The only way to stop it, in my view, for Trump to win. Number one. Don't believe these polls. The Trump vote is always being undercounted. Pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. Whatever they're saying the Biden lead is, cut it in half. That is Michael Moore, the very liberal documentarian, four days till the pseudo end of election season. The polls, the analysis, the final messaging on the economy, the coronavirus, and in the president's case, the hunter hijinks dominate the messaging and the stump speeches. Also, uh, a look at look at like a death match for control of the Senate. Mitch McConnell says 50-50, they hold the majority. We'll have to see. Uh, joining us now is uh, Shannon Bream, Fox News News's chief legal correspondent. And she also switches outfits and then anchors Fox News at night at 11 o'clock. Uh, Shannon, welcome back. Brian, sometimes I don't have outfit uh, time to change the outfit, and I wear the same outfit. Do you change your hair? Okay. Do you change hats? Sometimes I'll change earrings, and people do notice. Just they do you notice. Shake it up a little bit. Where's the yeah. legal scholar? You that the I same. Never earrings. <laughs> Never was even tempted to uh, get an earring as a guy. That was hot for a while. Well, it's one thing— uh, it was, and there was a big thing in the 80s and 90s of girls getting multiple piercings. I think that's still a thing. And I remember uh, getting in a ton of trouble because I got a double piercing in one ear, just one. Mom thought it was sort of a signal of being a little bit loose. And did so, she make you take yeah. it out? No, it was my one bit of defiance. I was a really crazy rebel. Ah. <laughs> it's still there. I never put an earring in it, but the hole is there. Wow. Some mistakes you can't undo, Brian. Yeah, I I do think I always thought holes close. Yeah, well, mine's still it's still active and waiting for a a dangly earring to signal to the world just what kind of woman I am. So, Shannon, we have an election coming up in four days. Knowing that North Carolina has extended time in which to count the ballots, and North Carolina is doing that. Pennsylvania will be a couple extra days. I know Michigan got pushed back. It's not fourteen anymore, but it's still extra. What percentage do you, what percentage chance do you think this thing we have a winner on November third? Listen, it's got to be a blowout, or at least convincing one way or the other. Because when you have critical states like the ones you mentioned, who have these legal battles over ballots that could go on for days. Listen, you know, last time around, folks know that there were some states where it was thousands of ballots, not tens of thousands, not you know hundreds of thousands, that made the difference. So. If those states are in play, if they're in flux, if there's any chance that, you know, we're talking about a five or 10,000 vote margin and what could be left over, and we know a lot of ballots have not been returned yet, at least that's what the states are reporting, do they flood in after Election Day? How long do they continue to be counted? Every state is different. I think there's a good possibility that you're going to have uh, plenty of litigation that will start on uh, November 4th. So what do you think the role of the rise in COVID cases throughout almost every battleground state? Well, it's right on schedule, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we, we were told that the fall is going to be bad. You got to get your flu shot, that COVID's coming back. 
the more people go inside, the more you're going to spread. And that's what they're saying is that most of this is spread through small family gatherings and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's important to note that, yes, cases are up. Thankfully, testing's up, so we have better tracking. Um, I've been tested many times. I'm sure you have, too. Um, but the, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that deaths and hospitalizations are up. We're going to see some of that for sure. But thank God our doctors and our scientists have gotten much better with therapeutics. The vaccine, we're told, is weeks away. Um, so I think, listen, it's been predicted, but so many things have been predicted about this uh, that have not turned out to be true that I'm just, you know, like most people who want to look at data and hard numbers, I'm a little skeptical about being told the worst is still ahead. We've been told that so many times. Um, I think we just have to wait and see. But, I, of course, I think it makes sense that cases are up. Um, I've seen some out there referring to it as a case-demic, meaning, yeah, numbers are up. Um, but, yeah, we've got to watch those hospitalizations and deaths because those are the critical numbers. True. What I figure out, if you look at the numbers, everybody says they, if the president's underwater, not on the economy, but on handling the coronavirus. And if it comes back, that benefits Joe Biden. But there's something else out there for a reasonable person to look at. And I've been pointing to this for the longest time, Europe. You know, I'm reading, uh, you know, um, Thomas Friedman and other people. Why don't we do what Germany and Italy did and shut it down? And this way we'd have a great summer if we just sucked it up and had a national program. And we see these horrific numbers in France, total shutdown, total shutdown in Germany, total shutdown Mm -hmm. in Belgium. They're about to have a total shutdown, and they're rioting in Turin and in Rome in Italy. We're seeing regional shutdowns ineffective in the U.K. We see Melbourne basically been told, don't leave your house in Australia. Yeah, there are success stories, but in most of the 180 countries, all handling it differently, we're seeing a resurgence. And I think that the reasonable, rational person will say, I don't know if I could really blame the guy in charge anymore. How do you feel about I that? I mean, right, because we've been told, like you said, look at Europe, look how great they're doing. We've completely messed it up here and we didn't read the signals right. We didn't do it right. But there is a lot of data now to look at these countries that had the extreme lockdowns that are now reopened again. I think some of this is a lot of it is just beyond human control. That doesn't mean we don't try to make the best decision, save as many lives as possible, try preventative efforts, certainly protect the most vulnerable, the nursing homes, those who are older, those with certain conditions. Like we have to be smart and those people need to be protected in every way possible. But we look around the world, and it doesn't seem like the extreme lockdowns are the solution to everything. And listen, I'm wearing my mask everywhere. I'm required to wear my mask. I'm happy to do that. But you also have to wonder if we're all wearing our masks yes. now, and we were told that was going to stop everything, yes. then why are cases back up? I mean, I just Thank you. I try to look at the data, and I'm skeptical. I want to protect people. I have friends. I've known people that have gone through coronavirus. So I know personal cases like we all probably do by now. I know it's legit. But some of the data doesn't add up with what we're being told. And if people are going to follow their leaders, their elected leaders in our case, um, we have to know and believe that the data matches what they're telling us. And there's some dissonance right now that we don't see match. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, and I think we're going to realize that. And if there was an election season, I wonder what would have been different. You know, after 9-11, if it was an election two months after, would we have united around George Bush or blamed him to get him out if you're a Democrat? So we'll see. I don't know if we've changed that much. So I'm looking at all these polls. Uh, Biden holds a seven-point lead over Trump in Pennsylvania, Quinnipiac. In Florida, uh, Biden holds a four- to six-point lead over Trump, Monmouth. Uh, NBC Marist poll has Biden leading Trump in Florida by four points. Okay, And then there's this thing called maybe anecdotal or maybe real story. 
of what's happening on the ground. And we see these big turnouts. We see these wild events. We see this passion. We hear people chanting, we love you to a president. Cut eight is John Daniel Davidson of The Federalist. And he's talked about what he's seeing on the ground. We found a lot of enthusiasm for Trump all over Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, Out in one swing county in western Wisconsin, we found a Trump ATV rally, which uh, we'd never been to an ATV rally before, but this is just local people, not really political folks, uh, some of whom admitted that they voted for Barack Obama in 2008, some in 2012, and they organized this massive ATV rally with flags and homemade signs and Trump, uh, you know, paraphernalia festooning their ATVs. Uh, But that was the case a a lot of places that we went. And again, as Chris said, these were swing districts, uh, a lot of enthusiasm for Trump. And we're here in the flotillas. We see the parades and we see it a lot of times in blue states. We see the crowds gather in Newport Beach. Clearly, Newport, you know, California's not going to go for the president. It's going to president's going to get trounced in California. But I am very curious when this is done, either polls are going to be believed and crowds are going to be discounted and flotillas are going to be ignored or we're going to throw out the polls forever. Yeah, I mean, this is the same thing I'm talking about with the coronavirus. Something doesn't match up here. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the polls or if it's the people, because somebody's got a silent majority out there. Either the Biden folks are saying, listen, I'm so over this administration, this president. I don't need to go to the drive-in rallies. I don't, I'm not going to risk COVID. I feel strongly about that. I'm not showing up for this stuff, but I'm definitely showing up at the ballot box. Um, or you've got the shy, shy Trump voters out there who are like, I'm going to show up by the tens of thousands for these rallies, but I'm not going to talk to pollsters, and I'm not going to talk to my friends and neighbors about what I'm going to do. It's just too politically um, you know, dangerous for me. Uh, I could cost me my job or my friendships or a relationship with my child. I mean, I don't know. Who's the silent majority? Is it the silent Biden majority that's not showing up to the events? Or is it the silent Trump majority that's not talking to bolsters? I don't know. Something doesn't match here. So it will be really interesting to see how this turns out. But I fear that people on one side or the other are, listen, half the country or a chunk, 40 percent on each side is going to be mad about what happens on Tuesday or however long it takes. Um, But there will be a large segment of people who don't believe it one way or the other because, again, we have this dissonance between the polls and the people. It just doesn't match, and we don't know where the truth lies in between those two. And you have all these strange things happening. Of course, all the celebrities hate the president because that's how they've always felt about him. But when you have things like Lil Wayne, Mr. Lil Wayne, coming out last night with a picture to his 35 million Twitter followers and saying, I've talked with this president. I'm confident. I thank him for criminal justice. He's going to work on the platinum plan. I feel good about it. I mean, Twitter melted down about that. So it's just, 2020 is such a weird year. I just don't know. Ice Cube, Ice Cube, same thing, platinum plan. Uh, 50 Cent came out and said, I looked at this. It doesn't make any sense. Why would I give up 60% of my income to Joe Mm -hmm. Biden's plan? And this guy has lost everything two or three times, was in prison, bounced back. But he's one of these guys. I I can't do his definitive biography, but evidently he's an extremely hard worker. He's an actor, rapper, Mm -hmm. writer. So I, I love those stories. I don't care how old you are or what you decide to come back in. Uh, and he sees criminal justice reform, and he sees a lot of hope there. And he got blowback from all people. Uh, Chelsea Handler, his ex-girlfriend, said, don't should I remind you you're black? How, how ridiculous yeah. a statement is that? Why is that an acceptable Listen, statement? She's your, she's your ex-girlfriend for a reason. She Thank you. With a grain of salt. Ah. It didn't work out with you, kids. Yeah, Listen, do you know what happened between mention- them? 
Uh, I'm not intimately involved with <laughs> with what went down with Mr. Scent and Chelsea. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but they were not. It, it was not a love match. It was not going to last. Okay. Um, but listen, really quickly, I want to say Kanye obviously has been a very interesting voice in this whole thing too. And I saw one of the polls that came out earlier this week in Minnesota. I think it was showing him polling because he did get on the ballot in a number of states. In between like three and four percent, that is enough to swing an election. I mean, if people really go, knowing he's not going to win, but it's a protest vote, and hey, this is America, you can write people in or do whatever you want. If they actually show up and vote for Kanye in the three to four percent range in some of these tight states, that would actually make a huge difference. So it's not Ross Perot, which, by the way, mentioned to my assistant the other day, she had no idea who he was. I'm old. Um, I mean, he was polling like 18, 19 percent in these, you know, in know. his runs. But three or four percent actually Matters. would make a difference. Tell that to, and like tell that to Hillary and Jill Stein. She still blames Jill Stein for the loss. She blames everybody for the loss. Um, and Russia. Yeah, and Russia. That's right, Russia. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. I tell okay. you, and I had to. I had to just be honest. I disturbed Shannon the other night after I watched the Bobolinsky interview, <laughs> and I saw no one picking it up. <laughs> and she's she didn't even and know I was who like, I was. Wow, Brian is. Uh, yes, I wanted to make sure it was you and not somebody who had like hacked into my phone. These were very, um, these are very interesting texts. I'm like, Brian, is that you? But I was just like, Brian Shannon, please tell me you're going to. Co- I just said, please tell me you're going to cover it. That's all I ask. Oh yeah, that's all. Oh yeah, it's, you're going to see it. We do all the news at eleven, um, whether <laughs> it's good or bad for the president, the Democrats, whoever. Like we're going to do it. So you see it there. That's why you have a great show. We're going to watch it tonight, and of course, uh, the next forty is going to be fantastic. Shannon Bream, thank you. See you soon. Go get them. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There were more accusations made this week uh, on that most-watched Fox News interview a couple nights ago from Tucker Carlson. Did those meetings happen as they have been alleged when Joe Biden was a private citizen? We're not going to waste any time on this smear campaign because it's just another distraction to distract, uh, uh, again, away from four years of Donald Trump's reckless policies and his failed leadership. And I'm not going to accept the, sem- the premise of the question. We have five days to keep our eyes on the prize. And again, that is to vote Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Jamal Brown, a representative of the Biden campaign on Cheddar TV, asked directly, that's the closest we're going to get from response. And it's a non-response. You know, I'm just before I got to salute Ro Kahana, who uh, John Roberts is reporting. And I guess I'm the last one to know this, Allison. But he basically said, here's an email. I don't think you're a Russian asset. He writes to Tony Bobolinsky. I appreciate all your service. I don't consider you a, uh, a right-wing hack, and I know you have no political slant. So I just think that it was a very nice email that should have been put into the story with the New York Times chooses not to cover. Now, keep in mind, Rokahana is a Democrat. Keep in mind, too, he's basically a socialist. He was a big supporter of Bernie Sanders. And that's fine. Uh, and and um, nothing wrong with that. But I also think you understand, too, that he's never been blindly with Biden. Uh, let's go to Heidi, WDBO in Orlando. Heidi. Hey, Brian, you busy man. I am a woman, last I checked, and I can whistle. Do you like it? I love to whistle. Okay. I'm not good at it, though. Listen, I just wanted to share with you that I took my 23-year-old son to the Tampa rally yesterday. We live in Orlando, but we scooted over there. 
And I just want to salute all the young people that were there yesterday. It was it was so hot, but um, they everybody had such a good time. It's just it's like a rock concert. But there are a lot of young people there. There, there. And this was my third Trump rally, so I the demographics really shifted yesterday, which I thought was interesting. It would be interesting too, and it's getting diverse, and there's a lot of other people from different walks of life who are saying the president's fine with me, and I'm not buying the story in the Atlantic, and I'm not buying the story. Uh, with Charlottesville. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Trump has tightened virtually every one of these swing states. Listen. Don't believe these polls. The Trump vote is always being undercounted. Pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. Whatever they're saying the Biden lead is, cut it in half right now in your head. Cut it in half. And now you're within the four-point margin of error. Mm. That's how close this is. That's how desperately close this is. Documentarian Michael Moore uh, weighing in, wanting Donald Trump to lose desperately, but did predict last time that Trump was going to be a lot closer. And I think some people said he actually predicted Trump would win. Uh, Hillary Clinton dropped the ball, didn't visit, but she didn't have as little uh, energy, as as few appearances as Joe Biden. I've never seen anything like it. But was Michael Moore just trying to motivate people to vote who feared that Donald Trump's going to get another four years? Let's ask Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend, all set to host four hours tomorrow, and then go on the road. Uh, I'm, you're going to reveal in a second when you're going to road. But just first, on Michael Moore, what do you think he's up to? Is he being honest? I think he is being honest. I think he's doing two things. I think he's a coach who's telling his team to play four quarters, finish the game, make sure you get out and vote. I think he's trying to motivate Democratic voters to ensure they turn out for their candidate. But number two, I think he is telling the truth. I think you can cut these polls in half. I think these polls are not to be trusted. I don't think they're good at measuring Trump voters. Um, And I will disagree with something that our buddy Pete Hegseth has said this morning. Michael Moore has become extremely wealthy. He is, to some extent, a limousine liberal. He's an elitist. But I don't think he's condescending to the everyman. I don't think he's condescending to the middle-class voter out there. I think he genuinely wants to help middle America. He and I would have very different ideas on how you go about helping average Americans. But I don't think he is wholly out of touch with them. I think he manages probably from million-dollar mansions in New York and Michigan, but manages through his contacts and how much he cares to have his fingers somewhat on the pulse of middle America. And so what he's telling you is, I know middle America, and much of it is very enthusiastic in its support for President Trump. Not saying he would you – know, you're saying that he wouldn't embrace the deplorable chumps, deplorable Hillary Clinton, chumps. That's what Joe Biden called Trump supporters. I don't think you would hear something like that coming from Michael Moore. I really don't. I do not think he thinks so little of average Americans. He has very bad ideas for how to help them out, but I don't think he would get caught in the same situation that Hillary Clinton or, for that matter, Barack Obama did with the progression from they cling to their guns and their religion to they are deplorable. So we got four days until we have uh, the election comes to a close, but a few days, the, uh, I know North Carolina, 
possibly Pennsylvania, are going to be able to collect ballots afterwards, which is going to be torturous, especially with it's supposed to be so close. I don't care what side you're on. If it's going to just bring doubt into it, I, I'm very disappointed the Supreme Court didn't step up because we still have time. If you have a ballot right now, find a way to get to the, to the mailbox. My goodness, can you be a little responsible? I mean, you really have to put it on November 3rd and get it postmarked? So in the big picture, the polls were wrong with Hillary Clinton, but they had it all with the Hillary Clinton election in 2016. They had a margin of error. But it's been pointed out to me in 2018 they were pretty right. And what seats were going to flip and why, they feel as though they corrected it. And as I look at some of the polls that get a lot of publicity, the NBC Marist poll has Trump leading, uh, trailing rather in Florida by four. In the, the Monmouth poll always has Joe Biden leading four and six points also in Florida. Biden holds a seven-point lead in Pennsylvania, uh, according to the Quinnipiac poll. And I saw the Washington Post poll two days ago. Donald Trump trailing by 17 in Wisconsin. I mean, I don't know how that could be accurate, but you're on the hook. We have these numbers. These numbers aren't lying. You know, Brian, it's funny. I'm seesawing like everybody else. And by the way, I saw your tweet, I believe it was, or was it on Fox and Friends, where you said you stood in line for 35 minutes in Long Island. Yeah. Things are going much more smoothly in Long Island than they are in New York City. I stood in line for three and a half hours. You did. To vote early this week. Now, by the way, that doesn't indicate voter suppression, and it would be nice if everybody on the left would stop using long lines as evidence of voter suppression. How is it we have record turnout and voter suppression going on at the same time? It doesn't seem to jive. That doesn't go together. Especially in New York. They want you to vote. That's right. Um, But whether or not these polls can be trusted, I seesaw, man. So, first of all, you do the stories on Fox and Friends weekdays. I do the stories on Fox and Friends weekends. The enthusiasm level for President Trump is through the roof. We can literally see it in the streets. The rallies, thousands of people set aside the rallies. How about the events where President Trump doesn't even show up? The car parades on Long Island. He's not organizing. The ones in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Right. With flags and car parades. And you're telling me that enthusiasm doesn't translate or that it does translate and it translates into a 17-point margin for Joe Biden? I can't buy it. But then yesterday, I spent all day reading whatever we want to call it, mainstream corporate media, all the polls. I read what you just read to me, and it's predicting a landslide for Joe Biden. How do I reconcile these two worlds? How do I reconcile these two news cycles? I cannot. I just hope it doesn't lead to people saying, I'm not going to waste my time and waste a vote for a guy that's going to lose. I'm going to stay home. That's my hope. I think if you look into the numbers, let's say you were breaking down a game instead of talking about the mood. When you break down a game, I think it probably comes down to this. If, if the president loses Florida, it's done. Uh, if he loses Arizona, it's going to be extremely ro- tough road to hoe because of what it says. They say if he gets North Carolina again in Florida, they could come in quickly if things are decisive enough where it's beyond the margin of error, let's say. And if he's able to hold Arizona... He doesn't need all the states he had last time, and he does have, have somewhat of a belief that he could flip New Hampshire and or Minnesota. So, the, And if you don't believe that, why is Joe Biden in Minnesota today? Exactly. Um, so I just in the X's and O's. The scenario you just laid out, that if he gets Florida, North Carolina, and Arizona, then in that case, all he needs is one of the Midwestern states. All he needs is a, one of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And I believe assuming that Ohio goes to him, assuming Ohio goes to him. Exactly. Um, and I have to think less so with Minnesota, but between Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, President Trump has a very good chance to take one of those three states. And you realize if that does happen, 
This is a guy who's trailing nationally between 9 and 11 points. This is a guy that's never been leading Pennsylvania. He has never been leading Michigan. He has never been leading Wisconsin. He just recently pulled ahead in Ohio where he won by eight last time. So the polls are telling you he's not. He's trailing. They say that Texas is now a toss-up. And Arizona, I have not seen him out front in Arizona yet. I don't believe that Texas is a toss-up. I'm from Texas. Um, I do believe Texas might be trending towards more of a battleground state, but I do not believe it will be in 2020. And the reason it's trending towards a battleground state is because people are moving from California to Texas to get away from the politics that they voted for and somehow bringing those same politics with them to Texas. Here's a little insight. If you left California reason, don't bring that reason to Texas. But that's personal and passionate to me. Can I interject on on that? Do you think Governor Perry in retrospect regrets recruiting all those companies to Texas because it brought a lot of that liberal mindset? And perhaps Rick Scott, the same thing as he went to New York and tried to gut New York and bring industry to Florida? I don't think you would regret it. I think you have to make policies that are the best for your people and for your state. And creating jobs and inviting businesses to move to Texas was absolutely the right thing to do. You just hope that people would be rational enough to understand when they move there for those jobs, there's a reason they did so. Right. Uh, I want you to hear the, the thing I find most intriguing, and I think as a relief, I hate the fact that one party has the black vote, the Hispanic vote, because it alienates them. People say, oh, you're Hispanic, you're a Democrat. You're black, you're a Republican. Excuse me. You're black, you're a Democrat. When we all know the first Republican president was this guy named Abraham Lincoln, and we know that Frederick Douglass was a Republican. You know, Booker T. Washington was a Republican. It all changed in the 60s. We can go over that, but it's amazing that uh, the African-American community doesn't go out of their way to make people earn their vote more. But perhaps things are changing. I look at Vernon Jones, a state legislature, a Democrat, who's endorsing President Trump. Here's what he said last night, cut 14. Donald Trump appeals to African-American men. Why? Because Joe Biden destroyed an entire generation of black men through mass incarceration. And many black men died in jail because of those long sentences where they never got a chance to reunite with their family. We don't even talk about them. And look how many do the President's First Step Act that he's released from jail because of what Joe Biden did. So black men, yes, we've had a hard time. We've had a challenge. Matter of fact, uh, it was Hillary Clinton that called us super predators. But Joe Biden also called us predators and said that we are danger to his mother in her neighborhood. So let's be clear about this. Black men see Trump has okay. actually done something for black men and nobody else ever has in recent time as president. I mean, that's what you're seeing. Um, Ice Cube came out and said, I have this program. He was listening. He's already implemented it. Jared gave him three hours. And then you have um, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. And there was another one. You kind of surprised me. I was surprised with another rapper came forward. Little something. Pump. Little Pump. Yep. Right? Little, is it Lil or Little? Always L-I-L. Okay, Lil. So just say Lil. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who worked with Stephen A. Smith. He would right. get corrected a lot. So, I mean, <laughs> why is this happening? Okay, I want to make two points. If I can, I'm going to answer your other question from a moment ago. You talked about the polling, how President Trump has never led in the polling. I saw this fascinating piece of trivia the other day. Every election, the loser of the presidential election at one time led in the polls. You can go back. Gore led Bush at one time in the polls. Romney led Obama at one time in the polls leading up to the election cycle, except for this one. That, in other words, if everyone's predicting a landslide victory for Joe Biden, he's never once led in um, – uh, President Trump has never once led in the polls. 
So it'd be the first time you'd have somebody lost who never once had his surge ahead of the other candidate. You think about 16, Hillary Clinton led the whole time. Yeah. I mean, she won the whole—she was always in front. Um, so that would indicate we would be in for a historic election if President Trump didn't mount some kind of comeback here. Back to the black vote. Um, I think what we're going to learn by the end of this— is that President Trump will outperform in the black vote compared to how he did in 2016. He will outperform how Mitt Romney and John McCain did with the black vote as well. He will also outperform with the Latino vote compared to how he did previously and many of those same candidates. And it will reveal a couple of things. It will reveal that Twitter and social media is the biggest false indicator for where this country is at a given time. Twitter and social media is the leading source for the idea that President Trump is a racist and that everybody in the black community absolutely hates him. Now, perhaps the majority still buy that line, but increasingly those numbers are moving, and Twitter is leading everyone because the mainstream media often is an echo chamber of what's happening on social media in the wrong direction. I think the value of social media, and in particular Twitter, as an indicator of where the American mind is will be completely lost. And then secondarily, the media itself will be exposed. We will have all of this agenda-driven Ignoring of stories, suppression of stories, treating Joe Biden with kid gloves, and absolute, narrowly laser-focused targeting of President Trump with negative stories will be exposed by the end of this election. And here's what I would love, Will. Uh, I think he'd be a much better president than Joe Biden. There's no question. And if he is able to prevail, that'll be the only way for us to sober up and understand what took place here. Because if he loses, the media is not going to go back and say, yeah, we had our hand on the scale the whole time. But if he wins and they can expose what happened and the forces that were against him and those forces go, we lost our credibility and we lost the race. Is this really worth it? I don't think they will ever have that kind of introspection, Brian. I don't think the quote-unquote mainstream media will ever analyze themselves through this process. I think their credibility is forever tarnished. That means we only read the Wall Street Journal for a sense of a national news. We no longer take the New York Times and Washington Post serious because they always have a, a horse in the race. Is it's that what, that's going to happen? The difference is only this. You ask of your presenters, your journalists, to be honest about who they are. If you lie to me and tell me you are neutral and then I can see blatantly and nakedly that you are not, you have no credibility. But is it true that, Bill, you know, Drudge broke the story, but the New York Times had the Monica Lewinsky story and they didn't let up. The New York Times did publish the emails and talked about it and had in the editorial section. They did go with the, the news. They could put it on page five instead of page one. But now they're just saying no. Which is absolutely incredible. Listen, Will Kane, a few more minutes here, but you're going to see him uh, Saturday and Sunday from uh, 6 till 10. Uh, and then we're going to have coverage. You're actually going to be on Monday and Tuesday too, right? And Wednesday, and Wednesday. as well. Yep. Wednesday and Wednesday. So he's going to be all part of the Fox and Friends election coverage. And maybe they can convince him to help out uh, Sandra and Trace. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in a moment. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. You got them masked up, their distance, some are sitting in their cars. It's a new era, right? I mean, we know rallies are not a good thing, so it's like the era of the drive-in rally. Now, Trump is literally surreality. It is surreal. If he wins, it is a figurative middle finger to math and to COVID and acceptance of the is-what-it-is recklessness as this virus continues 
to wreck us. That is uh, Chris Cuomo uh, in a fair and balanced way, uh, approaching what Donald Trump is doing, attracting huge crowds who know fully what they're doing, who decide to go out and see the president rally. And he's rallied everywhere. Will Kane is here. Um, Will, that's pretty much the channel. I don't know if you flip around a lot. That's pretty much everything. If he has something good, they're going to point out something bad. How many? Look at the size of that crowd. Look at how they're responding. We love you, chanting in the, in the audience. Look how many masks they had. That's their focus. This is really a standoff on COVID because every battleground state is looking at a surge right now. What would they have us do? What would Chris Cuomo have us do? Would he have us stay Cars. inside and never come out? Cars. Cars? Yeah. Car rallies? Stay in good car rallies. They're fantastic. Car rallies. Yeah. yeah. When you're happy, hit your horn. You were just talking about this with me during the commercial break. I think it's very important to point out. You may have during the course of the last three hours of your show. Numbers are rising in every single country in Europe. They're rising dramatically. This is a country that was held up, a continent that was held up as a model with shutdowns and masking and numbers. They were said to have done it right. We were said to have done it wrong. Yep. What we are learning, what we should have learned already is we cannot control this virus. We can try our best to protect the vulnerable and balance out moving on with the rest of our lives. Not crushing our lives, not crushing our economy, not crushing our mental health, not crushing our children. Instead, balancing this and doing our best, not thinking we can control it to zero transmissions and following the lead of Chris Cuomo. Rather, following the words of Chris Cuomo. Not the lead, because I believe his actions do not reflect his words. And and his arrogant governor brother, Andrew Cuomo, for him to come out, first off, to jettison that state cop because he was dating his daughter and and sent him up to Canada, that's another story. Only the New York Post would put that on the front page. Number two is he's like, look at how great I did. Yeah, look how great you did. You destroyed a city. You destroyed the bar, the surrounding boroughs. You he wrote no a money. book already. He wrote a book already. How You've great written he did. books. Right. That's I, not easy not to do. Not on a pandemic. In yeah. the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. It's not quite over. It's a 200-page it's a salute on how to do it, how to lead the nation hey, in deaths. This isn't raising your arms up in the second quarter and declaring victory. This is having the victory parade like it took some planning. To write a book took some work. They're outside the arena right now marching up and down having a victory parade, and the game still got two quarters to go on this pandemic. Right. This isn't even Leon Lett. Right. Uh, who picks up the fumble and started putting the, his hand up in the air with the football and got hit by Don Beebe from behind because even though they were trailing by 30, he didn't quit. He was great. I loved Leon. You know him. I don't know him. I but, was a big fan of Leon. He uh, actually, I think he was on the Cowboys coaching staff until this latest turnover in staff. I don't know if he's there now. Because Leon then also had the incident where, if you'll remember, it was on Thanksgiving Day, a snow game. The field goal was kicked by the Miami Dolphins, and Leon came sliding in to touch it. And that gave the Dolphins a. Oh, I didn't remember that. Leon was great. The Euro Cowboy fan. All the way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a Giant fan. I don't really know that, but Don Beebe gave me an example of how in sports you never quit. Your team's going to lose. You're going in for a touchdown. It doesn't matter. Uh, Will, we're going to watch you this weekend and then watch you on the road for the next four or five days. I'll be hanging out with you all together. Thanks, Will Kane. Thanks. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.